as we said, Leslie's going to be speaking on the bedevilment, so we'll invite her up here to educate us on that subject. <laughs> All right, thanks. Thanks, Greg. And whoa, my timing of stepping up to the podium was a little off, but you know, oh well. I'm Leslie, alcoholic, and uh, somehow I'm on the designated speaker list somehow, so uh, you know, I, I'm, the, I'm the favorite speaker for today, anyway. And, and Kevin asked me to talk about the bedevilments. Anyone who knows what the bedevilments are? Anybody? Anybody know where they can be found in the big book? Okay, all right. I know you have a cheat sheet too. And I was here last week when Kevin mentioned that and, you know, a lot of people looked like, huh? So I think, you know, our time is well spent talking about this. Um, I, I don't know if I'm fulfilling, I, I guess I'm fulfilling the mission, but I want to talk about you have the list and, and to go about it uh, to begin we got to begin somewhere aside from reading the list so what I wanted to talk about was this you know we have a disease that is often described as a threefold disease and we we learn that our disease is cunning baffling and powerful we learn that our disease is progressive, incurable, and fatal. And, and finally, and, and this is the part that where the bedevilments start to come in, our disease is physical, mental, and spiritual. There is a spiritual element to our disease of alcoholism. The big book is very clear about that. Um, you know, the physical part, the big book talks about that, about blackouts. It talks about the allergy we have, the cravings that we experience, the physical cravings that keeps us drinking once we have the first drink. That's part of the physical ailment of alcoholism. The mental aspect the book talks about is the obsession, how we can't, we, our mind can't leave the alcohol alone. We can't leave it alone. We know it's going to happen to us, but we can't leave it alone. We don't have any mental control. And then the, the third part is spiritual. Now, this is where we're going to have the problem as I try to use my book because you all know I always have a book well, well tabbed. And uh, this book is called The Fat Book. It's a, it is, it's a version of the big book that has certain annotations and other uh, items in the back that kind of embellish, add to, but don't conflict with um, the big book. But anyway, the big book describes our ailment as a, a spiritual malady. It, uh, the book says it again and again, the spiritual malady. And I want to go to the uh, doctor's opinion, which I'm sure you're all familiar with the doctor's opinion, and it talks about this. To them, meaning to us, the alcoholic life seems to be the only normal one. But what do we call normal? You know, for us, normal, according to my information here, is we live in a continual state of fear. 
that we're not going to be able to control our drinking. We're going to be unable to or don't even want to control our drinking and if we do kind of control it we don't enjoy it and that's always agitating in our head. Um, and the doctor's opinion is also known for the phenomenon of restless, irritable, and discontented. It talks about, um, to us, the alcoholic night life seems normal, and we are restless, irritable, and discontented unless we can again experience that sense of ease and comfort, which comes at once by taking a few drinks. Now, the interesting thing, you know, the phenomenon of craving is part of the allergy, and um, the phenomenon is something that just happens to us. It's not something we do to ourselves. It's something that just comes upon us. That's part of our, that's our disease. Um, <clears throat> what we have, what, what I take from this is, as an alcoholic, I'm also suffering from a, a, a disturbed spirit. My spirit's disturbed. I'm disturbed inside. It's not just my body. It's not just my mind. It's, it's my spirit. Um, I, I live in that state of fear if I don't have a drink. I live in the state of fear I'm not going to get another one. I live in a state of fear that uh, I'm not going to be able to control it once I do take one. And this is where we start, we get to the bedevilments. You know, the bedevilments, if you, if you lo look in your big book or you're familiar with your big book, it shows up in the chapter We Agnostics, which is about coming to some kind of terms with, with a God of our understanding or a higher power or something bigger than us that we, than we can believe in. And that lack of that is... What, what creates our problem, or is certainly a fully one-third of our problem. Um, and so the bedevilments, you know, we hear about these different symptoms we have, and the bedevilments in my, as I read this and try to put it in context with the, um, the We Agnostics chapter, it's kind of the presentations of our spiritual sickness. It's how we manifest that disturbed spirit. This is the things that are wrong with us in, in that spiritual way, you know. In, in the book talk, and the list breaks out. If you look at the book, it's contained in text. What you have in front of you is it's broken out into a list, and there are seven that are contained in that text. And the first is, we're having trouble with our relationships. Yeah, I did that. How about you? I couldn't get along with a lot of people because I was in a constant state of agitation. I needed a drink, or if I had a drink, then I wasn't fit for human companionship. Um, we couldn't control our emotional natures. Yeah, couldn't do that either. I could fly off the handle. I could dissolve into tears. I could formulate some, let's say, unfounded opinion real fast. Um, I could form a huge dislike for you just because, I don't know, you walked into the room maybe. <laughs> or, you know, I, or some un justified attachment to you because 
you said hello to me. You know, I mean, my emotional nature was all over the place. Um, and this was big prey to misery and depression. Yeah, and that's a soul sickness. Um, that's a soul sickness. Um, especially in my, it was, you know, I could just go right down into the valley and, and I'll leave you to consider what your experience is. But prey to misery and depression, nothing was ever right. Nothing was ever right. Sometimes we call this self-pity. <laughs> Poor me, nothing is ever right. I'm so depressed, my life is so terrible. But this was all this, you know, anyway. We couldn't make a living. Well, how can I make a living with all of this crap rolling around my brain and being drunk half the time? I couldn't, you know. And the other thing for me that is, is a manifestation of, of the spiritual ailment is I couldn't be a part of something bigger than me. I couldn't participate in a team effort. I didn't know how to play that part. I didn't know how to do my work, let you do your work, and let you alone about it and not bother you all the time about it. Sometimes I didn't want to step up and do my part of the work and let you drag the load. It's, it's all about not being able to earn a living. I couldn't fit in. I couldn't conform. I didn't want to conform. I didn't want to comply. Don't you all know I'm smarter than all of you? Why do I have to follow your stupid rules? That doesn't bode well for making a living in modern day United States of America and most other places, you know, on the face of the earth. You know, we need to be it enough peace to just go forward and, and do the work that's required of us. Um, and also, I couldn't when I, you know, sometimes when, when we get a hold of our money, we can't hold on to it and apply it to its proper purpose either. Even though we know we need to pay the rent, we blow it on new shoes. You know, we, something. So, we were full of fear. Now, that's a big one. You know, that's, that's a big one, being full of fear. I was afraid of everything. I was afraid you'd find out who I really was. I was afraid you'd find out I wasn't good enough. I was afraid you'd find out I didn't belong. I was afraid you'd find out I couldn't really function. And this was all, all my bravado and presented ego was just a bluff. So that fear, that's, that's, that was part of it. I was unhappy. Of course I was unhappy. I was unhappy. Well, at the end of my drinking, at the end of my drinking, I drank. I would literally, I would wake up and forgive me. I would hit a bong because I could not face life unfiltered. And if I took a shot of whiskey or something, that would make me an alcoholic. So I couldn't do that. But I could not face life unfiltered. I was unhappy. Nothing was right. I, you know, I, I didn't fit. So I had no peace. I had no peace inside of me at all. Um, no peace of mind. And we couldn't seem to be of any real help to people. Well, duh, you know, if I am full of self-pity and full of anger and don't know how to be a part of, of, 
a community and find my place in it and be a useful part of it or even do the part that's assigned to me to do without a whole lot of complaint. How can I be of use to anybody? And I wasn't. I wasn't of use to myself. I wasn't living up to my own expectations, let alone yours. And all of this stuff like weighed on my mind and preyed on my mind. Um, You know, um, we couldn't control our emotional natures, you know, and a lot of these, you might recognize the common thread, our book, our big book goes on a lot about selfishness, self-centeredness, ego, our need to control things, you know, I. That's all the famous parts of the big book that we all know about, right? Selfishness, self-centeredness, the actor who wants to run the whole show, all of those things. Um, that's me not controlling my nature. And the other part of that is, you know, when I'm that agitated and so at unease, at dis-ease, dare we say, we hear people talk about that, my dis-ease. Yes, yeah, see, that's my spiritual malady showing up in, in certain ways. That means I'm not in alignment with God as I understand God or don't understand God. It's, I'm out of line with the spirit. I'm out of line with the world. I'm out of line with, with that power greater than myself. Um, we, it, page 62 talks about our selfishness, our self-centeredness, Self-delusion, self-seeking, self-pity, pride, ego. That all, all of these things fit into this list. And that's, it, it's interestingly placed in the middle of the we agnostics chapter. Kind of, what are people like when they don't have a higher power? What am I like when I don't have a higher power? I know what I'm like, I drink. So, God makes, what, what, what I learn, the best I can put together, okay, and please understand, this is no scholarly lecture. This is me looking at the book and, and trying to put the pieces together about our threefold disease and talking maybe with a little more focus on the spiritual aspect of our threefold disease. But I remember... Well, this is going to be short, Kevin, so anyway. <laughs> I remember being pretty new and listening to a woman, I think it was a woman lead, talking about this, talking about the hole in her gut with the wind blowing through it. And I would, that would bring me, that brought me to tears. I understood that, that hole in my gut, that, that empty part of me, that, that, that missing puzzle piece that was God-shaped and I tried to fill with alcohol but what I needed to fill it with was a higher power to address that soul sickness that was what my soul sickness was that hole in the gut that I it, it's I, I it's so nebulous and I don't quite know any more words to put to it but you know, I also heard when I was new that uh, I've heard alcohol described as a spiritual hunger. 
and that we fill it with whatever the other, the physical object of our obsession. But it's always a yearning to connect, a longing, a, a spiritual hunger to calm myself, to feel okay. I mean, really, why did you drink? I know why I drank, to feel okay. Because I didn't feel okay in my normal state. I was agitated, I was unhappy. I was prey to misery and depression. I was full of fear. That's why I drank. That's that soul sickness. That's that hole in my gut with the wind blowing through it. It's all of those things. Um, but uh, my choices, what I learned were to fill it with alcohol as much as humanly possible until I died or to sober up and fill it with a connection to a higher power who would help me find a way to live comfortable in my own skin, productive, accepting of all of you, accepting of my place among you, being of use, doing my part. Um, those were my choices. Um, well, it seemed like I had a lot more things tabbed, but anyway this is important um, and I want to talk about this there the thing about this fat book that's a little different okay is is this I there is a letter from Carl Young to Bill Wilson dated 1961 okay so you may not believe me you might believe Carl Young so here it is Carl Jung, as those of you who know something about AA history, Carl Jung treated Roland Hazard, who went on to treat Ebby Thatcher, who went on to help Bill Wilson. And so, Carl Jung, talking about Roland H., said this, his craving for alcohol was the equivalent on a low level of the spiritual thirst of our whole of our being for wholeness expressed in medieval terms the union with god and he at the end of the letter he goes on to say you see alcohol in latin is spiritus and you use the same word for the highest religious experience as well as for the most depraving poison this helpful formula therefore is Spiritus contra spiritum. So, for the those of you who are not Latin scholars, that means spirit against spirit. That means spirit can overcome spirit. That means God overcomes alcohol. That's Carl Jung, 1961. Um, and in, in our big book, what it talks about is this. It says, when our spiritual malady is overcome, we straighten out mentally and, and physically. So that's, the that's why the emphasis on higher power, that's why the steps go on and on about finding a power greater than ourselves, turning our will and our lives over, doing the things to, to get rid of those things in us, to let go of those things in us that keep us from an effective and, and happy and comfortable and useful relationship to our higher power you know to find to get my place in the world as, as uh, 
set out by God. Um, so, you know, we talk about the promises and, we, and, you know, kind of the opposite is the bedevilments. The, the promises talk about what happens when we clear away that wreckage and, and come to some kind of comfortable union with our higher power. But before that, our spiritual sickness is laid out in the bedevilments. So they're very important. I know we don't talk about them. Um, but there it is. So that's really all I have to say about the bedevilments. I hope that was enough. And if you have questions, thanks for inviting me. Thank you, Leslie. So now we're going to take some questions from the audience. Thanks, Leslie. <laughs> Trevor, alcoholic. Hi, Trevor. Hey, that was thanks. Great. And you're right. We don't talk about this, right? But it's right there in chapter the agnostic. And, and um, <clears throat> excuse me, my sponsor uh, drew it to my attention uh, at, I think, 18 years when I was going through the steps again with him. And he said that what it, what it is in another way of, so I'm sorry this isn't in the form of a question yet, but I'll get to it. Okay. I promise. No, please. <laughs> he said, he said, uh, that no matter how long we've been sober uh, or what we've done with the steps or in the past or what we're doing with them now, this can stand as a uh, test for current untreated alcoholism. So if, in fact, you know, we're, if we turn around and look, God, you know, I've been going to these meetings and this, this, these are in effect. Um, so you're absolutely right, right on with that. And whoever put you up to the, the topic was right on as well. So good job on that. But my question is, this is a long way of getting around to the question. Question is, look, you just we're, these, are, these are important, this is important information. This is important information for a newcomer because a newcomer might hear all this stuff about, you know, they, they, I know that I've been to hundreds and hundreds of meetings where we've We've read, reread the uh, promises. Sometimes that even is a part of the uh, part of the format. Mm -hmm. uh, but never have I ever heard the bedevilments as part of the per, mm -hmm. part of the uh, format. But isn't this good information for a newcomer? Isn't this something that says, look, you know, if this, if these are the, if these are your problems, you know, here, here we've got a solution. So, um, not saying, you know, do you think we should do that at the beginning of these, whatever. But uh, more, more along, would you like to talk about um, how should we talk to newcomers when we're, when we're talking to somebody new? You know, should we emphasize the, the, the problems here or the possible benefits that come out? Which, which, is, which comes first? So take it, as you, take it as you wish. Okay, thank you for thank you for your explanation and your additional thoughts. No, and I'm very serious. No, that's not. Oh my God, that's not sarcastic at all. Thank you. Um, to me, that struck home as far as that hole in my gut with the wind blowing through it. I mean, I didn't come here. I I did not 
come into Alcoholics Anonymous because I was looking for the promises. I came into Alcoholics Anonymous because I was dying inside. I needed to know what, what I found here was there were other people who came into these rooms having that same feeling of dying inside and they found a way out. So I think it's important to lay out what what our malady is because I can guarantee you I didn't know what my problem was for sure except I drank too much. What I come to learn was I drank too much because I had this this physical, mental, and spiritual malady that I couldn't live comfortable in the world around me. So I kind of leaned toward being a realist and that was how I was raised in the program of Here's the problem, here's what we can do now. And um, I needed to know that because I truly did not know. I, I couldn't put words to what was wrong with me when I came crawling into Alcoholics Anonymous. Those things like the bedevilments help put words to it so I can start to, to process, start to look for a solution, start to listen for a solution. But how can I fix anything if I don't know what the hell the problem is? And it wasn't just drinking, because we all know people who somehow don't drink, don't work a program, and they're just as miserable as they ever were without taking a drink. So there, there's my unsolicited opinion. And thank you so much. That's, that's a wonderful question. I appreciate it. Who else has a question? Hi, Leslie Barb, alcoholic, and, and happy um, anniversary, to, Barb. I think so, we should, thank you. Um, <laughs> clarify that of the bedevilments, the seven that you have listed here, it's not inclusive. You could have others. You could also have less. For, I take this. Uh, we couldn't make a living. I know. I worked at the same job for forty years, and I was. I'm an alcoholic. Believe me. Um, so, I could make a living. So that didn't. That doesn't qualify, and I want to make sure that people realize that just because you, just because I could go to work every day and 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 uh, support myself, that didn't that doesn't stop me from being an alcoholic. No, that uh, means I you could, had a kind, tolerant employer, exactly, probably. <laughs> exactly, exactly, exactly. So, so I just I just think that that these are are suggestions. As far as these are suggestions, there's more. And then there's also ones that may not apply completely. Is that, does that make sense? I, I think so. Okay. But I, you know, and I think though, thank you for the question too, Barb. And I think, you know, at, at the time that this book was written, these were last gaspers. You know, this was well, this was decades before the time that people came into AA with jobs and and clean clothes and things like that, you know. So, I, I think you're. I think that that is part of it, you know. It, it but yeah. It, but it's it's relatable ways. I think I read it as relatable ways of what is wrong with my spirit, what's going on with me on the inside. So you're right. Thank you. Well, Anyone else? Hi everyone, Gretchen Alcoholic. I will try and phrase this in the form of a question. 
<laughs> okay, you you just talk it out, Gretchen. Okay, it's, no, I'll nod. Okay. Me about that. Um, so, but you know, because to help me understand certain things, I have to look up definitions of words, <clears throat> and so I looked up the definition of bedevilment, which is the act of harassing, and then I looked up harassment and it said three types, verbal, visual, and physical. So when I stop to consider that alcohol or my spiritual sickness is my bedevilment because what it does, yes, is it causes me to harass myself, basically, is what it does. You know, because I injure myself and harm myself verbally, physically, spiritually. And you know, and uh, to me, I'd, I'd also add to the experience of running around always uncomfortable in my own skin. Right. It's like my my whole being is turning against me. Right. So my question is, because it goes on in the paragraph or in the chapter to talk about that the solution is, you know, to stop doubting the spirit of the universe, and you know, realize that I'm not the solution because my knowledge has not helped. And then, you know, with working with, I don't, whether they're newcomers or not newcomers, whatever the case may be, this idea of having to find a reliance on a higher power um, to overcome these bedevilments. And it seems as though people get really, and we all know this, you know, get hung up on the God thing. But when you mentioned about, you know, the spiritual sickness how do you define to somebody the difference between seeking spirit versus God? Well, hmm, that, that's an interesting philosophical question. Um, I guess it depends on how you look at spirit and how you look at God. And, and each person's different, but you know, I need to find a way, the, the solution for me was to find a way to be, become a part of, to be in touch with, to be at peace with, whatever that is, which rules us all and governs us all, whatever you want to call that, that entity. And um, really over the years, I'm just as comfortable with the spirit and I'm comfortable with the idea of living in harmony with that spirit, um, of serving the purposes of that spirit, which is generally to be of use to other people. So sometimes, you know, we like to argue about things that are distinctions without differences or just semantics because sometimes I know I've been guilty of this you know sometimes I'd rather argue than understand and you know when I am looking to get well I and to do better I, I seek to understand and, and to make sense so that's kind of how I would explain it I'm you know we're seeking to come into harmony with with that that governing thing whatever you want to call it Thank you. That's a great question. Thanks so much. Please don't. Oh, I was going to say, come on. Did I answer all the questions <laughs> in the universe on this? Not yet. <laughs> okay. Carolyn Alcoholic. Hey, Carolyn. And thanks, Leslie, for uh, sharing your experience, strength, and hope with us on this subject tonight. It's really great. 
um, true confessions. Sometimes these bedevilments are still with me. And I'm sober a, a long time. And I was kind of looking at this and, and thinking, isn't it true that these could be a, um, perhaps a spiritual barometer for us or something of that nature? How, how do you, um, so that's one question. But the more um, specific question is when these things are present in my life, um, what do I do? Well, sober life. Well, thank you for that question. And as much as it is, well, I'll just say it. Actually, your first question was very much harmonious with Trevor's question about this is a barometer of, of where we're at and, and of the state of our alcoholism. And, and I think you're right. You know, if I'm feeling, if I'm feeling miserable and depressed, there's maybe I need to check myself out like what's going on because if I let that go on if that goes on I'm gonna drink sooner or later I'm gonna drink these are the ways my disease can talk to me or they show up when it's talking to me so I think that's a very astute point you make as a barometer of our alcoholism what am, what am I feeling like am I suddenly clashing with everybody that I run into in the course of my day that means there's something wrong with me you know because the whole world isn't a thousand percent aligned against me that's stupid to think that yet some days I can feel like that that means that's me that means I'm suffering from a bedevilment and I'm agitated and unhappy so and I forget the second uh, did I answer the second question or what was the second question what do I do the, you know the easiest answer I find when I get crappy like that is I take myself to a meeting and I don't it doesn't matter how long sober I am you are or anybody is you know the solution is always in the meeting, in the book, in prayer, going back to the basics that got me through those early hard days. You know, my disease doesn't go away. Um, you know, to use the corny old phrase, it's not alcoholism, it's alcoholism, and it's always there waiting for me. And it starts to show up in some subtle ways. So sometimes my disease starts by telling me still, you're not good enough. You didn't make enough money. How come, look at this one has a bigger house and you have this little house, you know, and just meh, 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 meh. And you know, that's my disease talking to me. Always, I'm not good enough. My disease has a whole lot of you're not good enough element to it. And it fits into these. So that's always my answer I got to get out of myself I got to get to a meeting I got to talk to a newer person I got to be of use somehow you know even if it's baking a batch of cookies and taking it to the meeting that's you know it's something it's me trying to be of use to people and to help keep things going forward in a positive way so thank you so much for that question because yeah you know we can be miserable I can be miserable without taking a drink and I can make all of you miserable too so thank you oh, we got somebody in the back is that Jeff back there oh my god you can ask me a complicated question <laughs> well I hope not it is 
you know, it, it, it probably Jeff alcoholic. Hi, Jeff. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to take a stab at answering Carolyn's question because it's a question I've often had. You know, well, how do I accept? How do I turn it over to God? What does it mean to turn it over to God? You know, I know I need to accept, but the question is how? And I tell you, I'm really glad I came tonight because as I'm looking through here and as I'm listening to the discussion, well, geez, this is difficult. How do we define our higher power and what does it mean, you know? And to me, the one word that just really shines through, it's, it's, it's interconnected with all these bedevilments, is my will. And in answer to Carolyn's question, which again is a question I ask myself, it's, well, um, what do I do when I'm feeling these bedevilments? I, I've got to check my will. To what extent am I trying to impose my will on something that I don't like? Um, in refusing to accept something, in resenting a person, place, or thing in my life. It's all my will. And God, as I understand Him, may be almost all-powerful. But the one thing He really can't do is to get past the armor of my will. I have to set that down. And, you know, as soon as I, uh, I relax that, I think God can come in. You know, and then... It's just my will. And so, would you agree with that? Question. <laughs> good question. Good question. And, and as you might guess, as I was nodding along as you were talking, you know, chances are the answer is yes. You know, and for me, the value of showing up in a meeting or doing something to be of use, that helps me start to get out of myself. And, um, and I agree with, with, with two, you know, I, one of my bedrock beliefs about recovery at this point is this, is that every one of us belongs in a room of Alcoholics Anonymous. There is no one of us that shows up by accident. And that means to me, what that means to me is that God's offered me a gift of recovery and life and health and being productive and having friends. Now, it's up to me whether I accept that gift or slap God's hand away and say, now I think I'll keep the drunkenness and the sickness. Thank you very much, God, you know, we'll, we'll catch you later. And so I agree with you. Um, that's how I understand God, you know. I. God's not boorish. God doesn't force me into anything. God offers me opportunities and sometimes God is vastly patient as I understand God and offers it to me again and again and again until I get the message through my thick skull and my argumentative skull. So I am a thousand percent agreeing with you. You know, it's really sooner or later my uh, the act of will on my part that, that makes the most sense is when I drop the fight and I wish I had a nickel for every when I uh, my sponsor would tell me just stop arguing about it just let it go there's nothing to argue don't you understand it's time to surrender the fight's over you lost when are you gonna understand that and and so I agree with you but that's kind of how you know that's so even with all of that soul distress and that 
discomfort in my own skin and that hole in my gut with the wind blowing through, I can refuse health and recovery and a happy life. It's God won't make me. It, that's the part that's up to me. And I don't even necessarily need to do anything except just shut up and let it be. I hope that answers your question. Anybody on Zoom have a question? Zoom? I mean, Zoom's invited, but there's a hand up in the room. But if you're on Zoom and you got a question, I'm here for you. <laughs> that sounds like a radio hard. thing, doesn't it? Hey, Freddie. Hey, Freddie. You know, I am so glad I came here tonight. Um, you know, last week I had a conversation with two people. They live in two different states. They look exactly the same. And... Uh, they're atheists. They have no higher power. They, they say that right out. I am totally confused on that, how that can work when, I mean, seven out of, seven out of 12 mention it and the rest infer it. You know, on, on page of our big book, 43 says, it must come from. There will be a time when it must come from. Nothing, no book. No sponsor, nothing will help you. It must come from a higher power. I mean, they, they started a meeting that said free thinkers, and all these people go, and I, I hate even knowing the name of the meeting, to be quite honest mm -hmm. with you. How does that work? How does that happen? Uh, you'd have to ask them because I don't know. <laughs> I, I don't because, you know, my, my recovery is built on a higher power and having contact with the higher power and, and, and feeling the presence of that higher power. So it beats the hell out of me. I don't know. <laughs> All right, good, good, because I thought I was... No. Nah. <laughs> you'd, you'd have to ask them, and I'm sure they have an explanation, but oh well. <laughs> Thank you very much. It was uh, I read this <clears throat> and I checked one, two, three, five, six, and maybe seven. I, could, I, I did was able to make a living, but I was fearful. It's, it's kind of like those twelve questions very, of Are you a drunk? You know. <laughs> but uh, the question is, I read this. I marked it in my book somewhere between fourteen and fourteen half a years ago. But it, reading it now, it's like. <clears throat> Why didn't they tell me this sooner? I am realizing these in the past year and a half or two. <clears throat> I didn't know that I was full, I mean, overflowing with fear. And it, it just, it, more. <clears throat> I know you got this stupid saying, more will be revealed. <clears throat> but where, where does this go tie with a step? Does any of it tie to the steps? If you say, yeah, two goes, two steps, blah, 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 blah. I don't know if you have I that. mean, I didn't explore it. That wasn't kind of my mental construct around it. I guess we could go through it, but I well, didn't, I, you know, I mean, some of them are obvious, but it's really, to me, this all is the, the way we display our soul sickness. 
So that's kind of all the steps because, you know, the point is to find a higher power and the point is for us to get rid of the stuff that blocks us from usefulness to our higher power, which then by definition would get would tamp down all of these things. And if they come back, we have a way to tamp them back down or let them go. Yeah. So I, I don't know, you know, as far as a direct, you know, matching correlation, but, but the steps, you know, get us well and the steps are built on and through a higher power. And the book tells us again and again, our protection comes from a higher power. God is everything or he's nothing. And they do uh, talk about the spirit of the universe, <clears throat> which they do. I worked with a couple guys that that's how they were able to move forward. I, I know a lady on uh, from a Zoom meeting in California and she always uses the term Gus for great universal spirit. So, you know, it just, Again, you know, to me, as time's gone on, it's less important whatever the definition is for me or for you, just that you have something that's not you and bigger than you and, you know, provides that context that we can live within successfully. Thank you. You're welcome. Hello, Leslie. Jeff, alcoholic. Hi, Jeff. It's kind of hit home, especially with that hole in the soul, because I, I was sober for many years and... Uh, I mean, I was feeling feeling this. I, I wasn't leaning on my higher power. And uh, I also wasn't working a program. I wasn't coming to meetings. Go figure. You know? Uh, but I, I realized that I just didn't feel right. Something wasn't wrong. Something was wrong. And fortunately enough, I, I had to make a decision. Either I had to do something about it, or I probably was going to go out and drink. Mm -hmm. And I was fortunate enough to get back into these rooms and jump in and, and lean on my higher power. I guess my question to you on this is, have you had somebody that you were working with on this and what did you, what was your suggestion to them, you know, to, to you know, to get back into the program or, or I mean, you know, what was your I've suggestion had, I've had a out? period of stepping away and sooner or later it gets uncomfortable. In fact, Paige is here who nagged me until I went to meetings again, right? She did. And, and that was to my benefit. You know, I got sober on a lot of meetings. In between there was a lull but you know the fact is even if I was okay I wasn't as happy as I could have been I wasn't as at peace as I could have been and I'm certainly not as comfortable in my own skin as I am now and that's with the benefit of a higher power whatever it takes you know I tell what what I tell people when I work with them is whatever you connect with and start with quiet time and it'll it can emerge from there you know just start with sit still be quiet a few minutes and let it grow from there it's it's way less intellectual than I wanted to make it in the beginning and way more simple and I really think that like God wants to reach me I just need to shut my mouth and let him thank you did someone on zoom have a question Okay. Hi, Leslie. Thank you for doing this. I really appreciate it. You're welcome. 
And I think it's a good topic for, you know, for discussion because we don't, you know, you hear about the promises all the time, but you don't hear about the bedevilments. How I was introduced to them at the beginning of my program, uh, you know, my, my sponsor was taking me through the book and, you know, talking about step one and turning it over and surrendering and all this kind of stuff. Um, you know, I looked, took a quick look through the chapters in the big book and, you know, the, the first chapter that I actually related to was the one called, uh, uh, I thought it was, We Antagonists. <laughs> and I said, oh, finally they wrote a chapter for me. You know, <laughs> later I found out it wasn't antagonist, but it kind of fit, you know. And that's kind of where my spirituality w w started. My, my spirituality started with my negativity. And that's how I was addressed spiritually, was through my own, because what I brought here was negative. And condescending and arrogant and all all those wonderful assets that I thought I had that kind of slid over to the defect when I really, when I really did my steps so um, that, that was the introduction to the bedevilence for me and um, I'm glad that you did you, you did, I think you did a great job on this. I think everybody enjoyed it thank Thanks you for, for yeah. thank stepping you up. Thanks for the topic because it is something we never talk about and we should and it's really kind of baseline AA, you know, and we kind of need to talk about baseline AA. That's what we're here for, isn't it? Yeah, thanks very much. Thank you, Leslie.